This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. You know, pastors, I do love you. And I was at home and I was thinking how I wish we would just give you an extra dose of love tonight and just say how much we love you and how much you've sacrificed for Christ and how much we love you and appreciate you. So I wanted to know if we could just stretch our hands towards you and just say we love you and we pray for you and we bless you and that the next leg of your journey will be one of joy where you'll eat the fruit of all your labor. And I pray for all of us tonight that heaven's atmosphere will descend right here and that our lives will be changed and our love for Christ will increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanted to talk tonight about um, protection. Faith, and continue the theme of faith. And part of faith is wrapping our faith around the idea of protection. And I almost said, I hope she doesn't preach my sermon tonight. <laughs> no, that's good. But I wanted to talk about that. And I wanted to start in Psalm 103. And it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And God has benefits for every believer. You know, when we come to Christ, there's a whole benefit package that comes with it. And that's why we're so fortunate to be Christians, because if you're not a Christian, then you don't have this package available to you. And so, verse 3 says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. And those are just two of the benefits. He takes away your sins, your transgressions and their consequences, and, of course, all of your iniquities. Anything passed down through the bloodline, naturally and spiritually, that causes us to lean in a certain direction. We want to drink just like our dad did, etc. He takes all that away. He goes underneath the skin and he aspirates that contusion. That's what an iniquity is. It's not a laceration where the blood's coming out, but it's under the skin and it's causing some problems. And Jesus says it's his anointing in Luke 4, 8 that can take care of that for all of us. Verse 4 says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. And that's the verse that I wanted to talk about where God wants to protect us. Why? Well, there's some reasons why God wants to protect us. Number one, when we come to Christ, he entered into covenant with you and me. It's a strong covenant, and the actual documentation of the covenant, I don't want to be rhetorical, but it's right here in your hands. And... My older daughter is an attorney, and she puts together contracts, and she likes to make them so tight, there are no loopholes, right? So you've heard of prenuptial agreements, they're so tight, there's no way you can really get around it. I've found out that this contract is so tight, it puts any earthly contract to, to flight. 
It's really well written, and it's sealed up, and it encompasses everything you and I as a believer will go through. And listen to this, during the good times and the bad times. He takes us just like we are. And so, thank God for the bad times, because he's not going to throw you away. Um, And I'm appreciative of that, because I've had good times and bad times, times I've failed God, and I felt, you know, I don't think God really should put up with me. And it's during those times, it's kindness. It keeps leading me to repentance. And so, the love of God is so important, it determines our perspective. And I found out that if I start every decision, every perception, every conclusion that I come to through God's eyes of love, I come to a pretty good conclusion. But if I start off as a human being looking from my perspective, many times I, I miss the mark. And I have to start over and start over and start over. But God wants to protect us because verse 4 says, He redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now, loving kindness and tender mercies, I wanted to kind of touch on that because that's one of the reasons why God wants to protect you. It's like when my little girls were young, I would, I would die for them. You know, I know it sounds radical, but um, that's just the way it is. And I think even though now they're 32 and 30, I feel the same way about it. Um, and I'm sure all parents feel the same way. And I bet you they're going to be 90, I'm going to be 120, and I'll feel the same way. It's just, it's just in our DNA as parents. But loving kindness and tender mercies... In the Hebrew, it's very particular. In Hebrew, it would read, Sadaqah v'chesed. And loving kind of tender mercies, it's, that, it's a tender love that you have to kind of slow down to kind of grasp it. It's the tenderness between a parent and a child. And in Israel, as I'm living there three to six months a year, you could see even the Orthodox Jewish fathers and their sons, it's like they're in love. And like the son is a tender branch. And, you know, here we say, boy, get out there and catch the football. You know, you've got to toughen you up. But when you go to Israel and you see the children play and they're with their fathers, it's a tender love and affection. They kiss each other. And I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a whole different ball game in the U.S. And, but I'm just saying... You have to see it to appreciate it. The love, and then when the children play, they're really happy. And they don't have all that we have, but they're happy. You know, the U.S. government and the United Nations did studies. They try to rank countries on their happiness level because now they have to talk about can they win an election if the population constituency aren't happy. You know, in Great Britain, you had a Brexit, and the main variable why Miss May became Prime Minister is because even though England, economically, had a gross domestic product that was really good, a gross national product that was good, they were doing well financially, they were still, what? Unhappy. 
they just felt unhappy. About what? Well, there's so many things. Well, it is so important to understand that tender love that God has for us. Because if we do, it slows us down and it helps you endure through the good times and the bad times. And it also helps you understand why he would just want to protect us. He wants to protect us because he is love and he loves us very tenderly. Now, Jesus Christ is the epitome of of that relationship. When he was on earth, and the Bible talks about him going off to pray, it was that tender affection between Jesus Christ and the Father. And when he left, he came out, and it always says in the Gospel of Mark, and he had compassion, and he had compassion, and he had compassion. It always says that. Why? Because he exercised that love muscle between he and the Father, and it was easy for him to give to others what he had between he and the Father. So when Jesus would pray, he would pray of, or Avinu, or Avi, our Father, Avinu, Sheba Shemayim Yitkidesh Shemka, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But, you know, we pray it, and we do well, but can you imagine Jesus praying the Lord's Prayer in private? You see, it's documented here, but we know that Jesus taught about the Lord's Prayer everywhere he went. It was only documented in the Gospel maybe once or so, but it's a snapshot of his tender relationship with God the Father. And so God needs to protect us because he loved us. He sent each one of us into the earth for a particular purpose. So if you feel as though you're not wanted, the truth is, before you came to earth, God had something in mind for each of us before we came to earth. And so many times... The enemy is strategic. Just like God is strategic, Satan is strategic, and he tries to distort our image of God and our faith to believe God for that high call of God that he had for us when he sent us into the earth before we're age seven. I know because children develop filters to determine what's right or wrong after age seven. And he keeps at it to see if he can do it till age 13. And then he keeps at it at 18. Why? Because they go off to college and many times they'll get some type of belief system presented to them that comes in a manner that's so eloquent, it seems superior to what they're getting in church. And then confusion sets in. Now, the grace of God brings some of them back. But unfortunately, there are a few that never come back. That's why Mrs. P and Pastor have a a divine job of creating seed so that this holy seed, you and me, we can go out there in a marketplace and manifest the Garden of Eden, the kingdom of God, rather than Satan's seed manifesting his kingdom. It's hell on earth, right? So, that's why I... I want us to flip over to the book of Job. And I want to talk about five lines of defenses that God has created for all of us. And 
Job chapter 1. And each line of defense that God has created is impenetrable, invincible all by itself, yet there's so many lines of defenses. And I know as a military town, for example, if, um, if there's the U.S. Army, say where that board is in the back, then you've got a front line of defense. And if the enemy breaks through that one, then you've got a second line of defense, then a third and a fourth, and so on. Well, God has lines of defenses, and each one of these lines are invincible. That's how protected we are. Now, so we're going to have to reconcile today, well, why do things happen and these lines of defenses are impenetrable in themselves, and they really are. And it's not hard to understand. Now, in Job chapter 1, verse 10, the book of Job is really a, a very interesting book. We don't really know who the author of Job is. Some say it was Moses. Some say it was a person that returned from the Babylonian um, exile that wrote it. But it's so interesting because it documents a conversation between God and Satan. And it gives us insight into our protection. Job is so interesting to me because it's one of the books that dates dinosaurs extant with man living together. It talks about an early earth rather than an old earth, you know, that goes billions, that deals with evolution. It's so interesting. It talks about dinosaurs living with man. It talks about behemoth, which is a land mammal, you know, that had a tail like cedar and a very strong loin, you know. And it talks about Leviathan, you know, the big sea mammals. So it dates dinosaurs with man. So it kind of puts uh, a little bit of challenge to evolution. It's one of those things. So that's one of the reasons why Job is not just um, uh, Job, but it does have some interesting things in there. But Job chapter 1, verse 10 says, Has not thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in his, in his land. Now this is a conversation going on between God and and Satan. And Satan is saying to God, I can't touch Job because, and I'm giving us word pictures because word pictures are so powerful in the Bible, you never forget them. There was this hedge around Job, a hedge. And Satan says, well, I can't penetrate it. So it's a non-starter for me, God, you know. And God, God didn't uh, say, sure he can. No, Satan could not penetrate that hedge. And then the other thing is, the hedge was not only around Job, but it was around every single thing that he possessed. So it was around his wallet, it was around each and every camel, it was around the fetus in the, in, that the goat was carrying in the womb. Ooh. That's good. Who's that? Whew. Somebody's pregnant, right? Okay, so 
It's around your car. It's around your car keys that you keep losing. It's around your job. See, it wasn't just around Job. There was a hedge, a separate hedge around every single thing. Gloria Copeland says it's a bubble. I live in a bubble. So it's important for you to see that there is an application of a hedge if you belong to God. And secondly, it's important to see that the hedge is impenetrable. Satan cannot penetrate it, number one. Number two, God will not breach it, never will. But why are hedges breached? The third thing is that only you and I can breach our own hedges. We breach it by wrong words, wrong behaviors, and just open doors. But not to worry. We can mend our hedge if it has been breached. We mend our hedge by repentance. Go home and search what is wrong and God will minister to you. It could be it could be a word you spoke, a wrong relationship, but there's something on our end because only we can breach our hedge. But we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Christ Jesus, right? Who will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can breach our own hedge. But our hedge can be mended. And once it's mended, then it's mended. It's now again invincible. And it doesn't take long. It can be mended within one prayer. Really. When my, when my vehicle got hit, I wasn't stupid. I, um, I sat there, and I could feel I was in that secret place. But I knew that hedge was breached. So, checklist, Satan can't do it. God didn't do it. So, after everything was all said and done, I went home and I said, God, now what's going on? And you have to be willing to have that critical conversation with God and yourself. It's called, you know, there's a book out, it's been out for 10 years or more, it's called Crucial Conversations. And if you want to survive and make it long term, we ought to start having crucial conversations with ourselves and with God. Because Galatians does say, God is not mocked, right? Whatever we sow, we reap. And, you know, human beings have a tendency to be narcissistic. Children are, but we're supposed to grow out of it. But some of us don't grow out of it as fast as we should, and it causes us problems and others problems, right? So I went home and I said, God, what's going on? Because I said, I've gone 30 years, no accidents. I've, I've ministered in the Islamic Republic of Pakistan and had a great time, you know, Oppression is far from me. Everything that happens, it's on my right and to my left. I'm only a spectator when a bullet flies. You know, I'm never right there where, where the bomb goes off. I'm always hearing about it from afar. And I said, this, is, this makes no sense. Because this is, this is working in my life. I said, so what did I do, God? And then I started getting ideas of, of relationships. Not a lot, maybe one or two. Nice people who I, I thought were so nice, but and they lived in other states, 
but they were an open door in my life, and I had to shut it down. And they were sweet people, good people, you know what I mean? And we, you know, we know people that aren't saved, but some might cause us problems, and we need to, for our own survival, shut it down. And so you can say, Father, in Jesus' name, I sever every tie. And your heart might be broken. Because I think there are buckets of tears in heaven with Lemuel Baker's tears, right? But you know, it's just the deal. I mean, the joy of the Lord, looking ahead to living with Christ, and the moments when heaven comes down and fills your soul, there's nothing like it, right? So, I, you know, I have a list of, no, this relate. This is not even worth it. Throw it in the trash, right? But if you haven't had a taste and a touch of the, the real deal, the Lord Jesus Christ, and a touch of heaven on your life, sometimes it's hard to make that decision. And so in all my doing, I pray that everyone has that sense of heaven on earth. You know, when you and I came to Jesus Christ, at that moment... Heaven became your home, and you shouldn't be a stranger to it. Think about that. It might seem like heaven is way, way, way out there, but for some, for some reason, God has made it so close. Like the Word of God is in your mouth. The kingdom of God is within. Walking and living in that atmosphere is so important, and it is worth it. So, there's a hedge of protection. And remember, it will never be breached. Satan can't breach it. God will never breach it. And now you and I will not breach our own hedge. Right? The other thing I wanted to talk about, the other line of defense, was God himself. Do you know, when you came to Christ, and I came to Christ, we now live in God and Christ in us. And one writer says that when we're living in God, it's like living in a stone castle and shooting an arrow with it. It doesn't stand a chance. That's how protected we are. God himself is on you and in you. So not only is that hedge impenetrable, but God himself. God himself is so powerful the glimpses that we get of God himself is, was at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell, right, in Acts. That word power was translated dynamin, and sometimes you hear dunamis. And it, it means God's ability, his might, and his strength that came upon them plus fire to purge out the dross. And sometimes we need a, a jump start to get the junk out of our lives. You know, the Word of God keeps renewing our minds, but sometimes, you know, cranking up that car. The apostles got a jump start at Pentecost, and of course we know that they kept renewing their minds, right? But Ephesians um, 5.18 talks about continue being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And so, don't just say it's one thing, but keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let him have his way in your spirit. You know, we're all growing into that which God gave us birth to do, right? 
individually and collectively. And the love of God, as it begins to reign and rule in this congregation, will produce an army that's special to God. Isn't that right? And I look at love, the agape love of God, as a petri dish. That if you put saints in that environment, then all the power will come. All the signs will come. All the miracles will come. So we don't have to rush and run after the signs and the wonders and miracles. We just need to start loving. And all of the kinks in our armors and in, in, in the Zoe life flowing will be opened up and God can do anything He wants because He trusts us now because we love Him and we love each other. But sometimes when we don't love Him or each other, so the openings kind of kink up. But He works with us. His loving kindness leads us to repentance. But His goal is that we open up to Him being loved. Know that no matter what happens, He loves us. And number two, we share that love with each other because it's love that works by faith. His love is indeed shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. There are times you won't feel it. And I suppose that's why David in Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. You have to say the love of God is in me. Now, okay, I work, love of God, work, 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 work in me, and then start working through me. And so Satan will say, uh, you, you're, you're not, you don't have love. Well, we, we don't walk by the way we feel, and that's why faith is so important. God says his love is indeed in our hearts, it's shed abroad. So we let that love go. Right? We let that agape love go. We let that philia love go. You know, I can be a friend. I know I'm a hermit by nature, but by the Spirit of God, I can be a friend. Right? I can be loyal, right? If I just am open to it, I can do it. I can let the fruit of the Spirit just start to come forth. I can, because it's here. It's in me. And I'm not going to believe anymore that it's not there, because the Holy Spirit is here. Right? I can be a good dad. You know, I can, I can love like a father, right? And I can have a good self-image. I can love myself, not narcissistically like I'm better, but because I was created in the image of God. I can love myself. I can have a healthy love so that I can get married or, and, and, and appreciate the love of someone else, right? So, we're in God and Nothing can penetrate that stone castle, if you remember that, to get to us. And then Jesus Christ says, nothing, the third line of defense is Jesus Christ himself, nothing can pluck you, seize you out of my hand. Nothing. And you've probably seen that, um, that uh, wrestler on TV on ice skates is really big, and, it, and it's called the baby bird. You know that? Right, yes. And that's God. We're his baby bird. Do you think man is capable, or Satan, of snatching that baby bird, you and me? I don't think so. 
He says, nothing will pluck you out of my hand. Nothing will seize you out of my hands, right? Do you know who God is? He's in a class all by himself. He's not man. And when we think we want to contend with God, I think we've gone insane. And we take him for granted because his love overwhelms him, and that's why he came to us through Jesus Christ, right? So nothing... So nothing is going to snatch you and me out of Jesus' hands, out of God's hands, right? But the word used when Jesus talks about that is a word harpazo. It's a Greek word, harpazo. It's the same root word used in 1 Thessalonians in what we call the rapture, when Jesus will come back for his saints, you know, when he won't touch down, when we meet him in the sky, He will snatch you when he comes if you belong to him. He won't ask any questions because you belong to him. It's like, um, this is my Bible, so I won't go ask you, may I take it? It's mine, rightfully mine. When he comes and you're his, you're out of here. So you don't have to worry. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't give him your reasonable service and sacrifice by presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice to him, right? Acceptable unto him. It's reasonable for all that he's done for you and me. Think about that. He's been so good, why should I do bad to him? It's, it's not reasonable. That's unreasonable. It's only reasonable I should give my life to him. Because of all that he has done for me, right? But if you belong to him, you're out of here. He's snatching you. So, the only snatching that's going on in this place is going to be done by Jesus, never by Satan. You got it? Jesus, snatch me all you want, but Satan, let's not even talk about it. Right? I'm protected with that hedge, right? I'm protected by Jesus Christ himself. I'm protected in the stone castle of God. And I'm in the palm of his hands. Now, another line of defense is the blood of Jesus, right? Now, the blood of Jesus is so potent and special. You know, in a modern church, it's not proper to talk about the blood of Jesus. But you know what? I can't be a believer and not talk about the blood of Jesus. PhD, DD, I couldn't go... How can I be a Christian and not talk about the blood of Jesus? You know, the blood of Jesus was the greatest exchange, right? It's because of the blood of Jesus I can say... When I've messed up, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If I didn't have the working power of the blood of Jesus, I would be a mess. Right? You? So, when Christ shed his blood, that blood was not just ordinary blood. Remember, God formed man out of the dust of the ground, correct? And here was this corpse formed from loose soil. All of the internal organs in place, all of the blood vessels in place, but it was dead. And God breathed into him that clay body, the breath of life. At that moment, blood originated in the veins 
And then man became a soul and sat up and said, I love you, God. You got it? When it was only when the Spirit of God entered or hovered over Adam's clay body that blood started flowing through the vein. Before, all of the organs and vessels were in place. But nothing activated. But it took the Spirit of God to start blood flow in the veins. And I'm, the reason I covered that is because we get this deal, Christians believe in the virgin birth, you bet we do, based on what I just said. The Holy Spirit hovered over a virgin called Mary, just like the Holy Spirit hovered over Adam's clay body. You got it? And it was when that Holy Spirit hovered over a virgin and impregnated that egg, then blood began to flow in the fetus. It was divine blood, innocent blood, incorruptible blood. Adam had the same blood. Divine, incorruptible, and innocent. No sin. Adam's blood became sinful and corruptible only after he sinned. And that same blood and DNA passed down. So, the only way we get blood is through the Father. When, when, the father, when the egg is impregnated, at that very moment, blood begins to generate in that egg. The blood doesn't come from the mom. Exchanged through the, um, the fallopian tube, right, are nutrients and oxygen, right, but no blood from the mom. And, of course, waste and carbon dioxide comes from the baby, Back into the mom. That's why you got to respect women. This is the deal they go through. But no blood comes from the mom to the baby. So if Joseph were indeed Jesus' father, it would have been corruptible blood, sinful blood. And God himself gave Jesus divine blood, innocent blood, and incorruptible blood. And so it's not hard to understand that the Holy Spirit would hover over because it happened in creation, the same, the same template, correct? So the blood of Jesus in Exodus, it says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And that was the blood of a lamb that Moses instructed by God's instruction to put over every door during the Exodus, remember? And every place where the blood of that lamb was, the death angel passed over every time. There was no failure reported, 100% effectiveness, right? I'm here to tell you when God the Father sees the blood of Jesus Christ over your life and my life, all of, the, all of the judgment that we deserve because of fallen Adam, it passes over us, right? Also, the curse, the curse is always out there in the atmosphere ever since man sinned. And if you and I aren't covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, or we step out in disobedience, you could get hit. It's just like out in space. I mean, 
billions of objects flying. I, I don't know why ships go out there to space, but you don't want to step out of the covering of God. Now, when you step out and something happens, you know, you, 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 um, you break your barrier shield or you, you cause some type of breach to your hedge. It's going to bring me to this next point, this line of defense. And it is angelic. The angel of the Lord encamps round about us and delivers us, correct? God has given angels, and angels aren't these little babies with wings. Psalm 1, well, how many angels are there? We don't know. The Bible says there are an innumerable host. So, no computer can even calculate how many angels there are. There are that many, right? But what we do know is they're not weak. They will excel in strength. And they hearken to the voice of God's word. So, if you want to tighten up your defense by the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is a word church, then we need to speak the word of God, right? And if we blunder and say something wrong, just be humble enough to correct it. Fix it, right? Fix it. That's how it works. You just fix it. So, the angels of the Lord, um, we get an insight of how mighty they are, right? It says they excel in strength, so they're not weak. Well, at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, that word dynamin means God's ability, his strength, and his might. That's what angels carry. That kind of God power. One angel with a jawbone, you know, in Samson's time, took out an entire Philistine army, you know, the jawbone of an axe. I mean, empowered Samson to take out an entire army. Angels are no joke. And sometimes, the Bible says, we can grieve them, right? So we shouldn't tempt them. But you and I have angels that are assigned to us. Aren't they all not ministering spirits? Paul says, sent forth to minister for them, right? Who shall be ears of salvation. That's you and me. So, that, and, so that's the line of defense that in itself, I don't think Satan can handle that. Right? And then finally, one more line of defense. And this is where you and I come in tonight. It's Ephesians 6.18. And in Ephesians 6.18 talks about the armor of God. And this armor of God is very, very important. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying for one another is something that God wants me to talk to you about tonight. You've got to start ramping up the love walk. To love one another so much where it's easy for God to bring someone to your heart, and when he does for it to melt your heart, 
stop you in your tracks and you start to pray for them. You know, the armor of God is, number one, I gird my loins with truth. And I, excuse me the way I say it, because I used to teach my little kids like this, you know. And they used to walk around, I gird my loins with truth. They put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, and we used to say, so we gird our loins with truth. We tell the truth. And may the Lord Jesus Christ help us always to tell the truth. And I mean that. By the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So we gird our loins with truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? Our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, we take that shield of faith, right? That shield of faith activated by our heart that's full of faith. And so when something comes up like chronic lack and chronic sickness and chronic strife, it tries to weaken you. Satan is actually saying, my word is true, testing you. God's word's not true. And that's called the fight of faith. You say, no. You fight and you put that shield up. So we put up the shield of faith, right? We put on a helmet of salvation. And then we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is written. And then the last piece of that armor is when the Holy Spirit brings someone to mind. Don't blow it off. It could be life and death. And the easiest place to start is among those you know. Right? And guess what? It's probably going to be we in this church. So, here's what happens many times. We are in strife with someone and the Holy Spirit brings them to your heart and you say, I'm not going to pray for them. It's no good, right? So, they come to church and then they say, you know, this happened to me and this happened, but I'm believing God to deliver me, but if truth be told, there is at least one person in this church that God brought that person to their mind. How many of you could say amen? amen. That's, you see how important that love is? If that love is not being activated, it hinders this piece of your armor. And this is the prophetic word tonight. It's not hard. Little children, love ye one another. You know, the Apostle John, right? He's called John the Beloved. He's seen in that big um, uh, Last Supper picture leaning on Jesus' bosom. He really loved God. He evolved from a son of Boanerges. He would say, God, Jesus, call down fire on these Samaritans because they're not treating you right. And it would seem logical, you know, he's loyal to to Jesus, Jesus says, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of, right? Then Pentecost comes, he's baptized in the Holy Ghost, like Peter is, and he begins his journey, right, of power and purity, power and love. By the time he gets to Patmos, he's exiled there, he meets Jesus face to face in the book of Revelation, but he never died there. History says that they try to burn him in oil, but he never died. Then he went back to Ephesus, where he died of old age. So, 
he used to preach to the younger apostles that carried him on a gurney. And he had a very low voice and he said, like Billy Graham, love one another. That was his last message. First, second, third John. You got it? Bottom line of all of God's authority and power and everything that God is, the bottom line will be and always will be and always will end with the love of God. Our protection is contingent upon the love of God. John died of an old age. I think there were only four of the original disciples who died of old age. And I could tell you with John, love is a is an ingredient that preserves your life. You can make it a long time. Now, love may cause God the opportunity of you going home early or lack of love, right? So it's not that God hates you. It's just that he'd rather have you safe with him, right, than just seeing you make a mess for years and years and years. Love is so important. So, tonight, I want, if Josh could help me, that song, that sweet song you you played, the slower one, could you play that for me again? And then then the prayer team will come. I'll go to my right and etc. But I want I want us to if we could stand, just 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 pray a little, let the Holy Spirit kind of just minister to us about the love of God and remember all that protection that God has for us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.